Welcome to the Smiles Ahead podcast, powered by Burrow, Welchel, and Culp Orthodontics, where we answer your dental and orthodontic questions so you can be better prepared when you come into the office. I'm Dr. Sam Burrow, teacher, author, and award-winning board-certified orthodontist, here to answer some of your frequently asked questions. Welcome to the Smiles Ahead podcast, community edition, one of our favorites, uh, where we discuss things in the community that make us smile. Today we have Sean Barnard, our, the author of Intentional Retention, and uh, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, uh, first I want to congratulate you on being a best-selling author. Yes. It's just hit the, uh, the Amazon bestseller list. Yeah, it did. In what, the first couple weeks? Uh Third week, almost to the day, on my birthday. So that was like oh. a, a, a bonus bonus gift uh, on the day. So, yeah, hit uh, number 18. So it's it's considered a national bestseller. And we uh, we promised it wasn't all of us just buying coffee. <laughs> no. No, no, we didn't. Know, but that's awesome. That's uh, that's great. Did you have any idea that it was going to take off like that? No, I, I, I was... Uh, I was misreading the cues actually from Amazon, so it was listed and um, it didn't. Uh, it didn't look like it was doing as well until I got a call from the publisher who said, "You're looking at the completely the wrong numbers. You need to be looking at these numbers, and it's doing very, very well." So, awesome. Yeah, today is good. Well, um, a little bit about Sean. Very diversified in uh, in what he's done, and it's great. He's gone from. You know, managing over 5,000 people in the casino industry to owning hair salons. And I'll let him give the background, but now ended up as the um, in the dental world as the COO of Smiles Ahead. I would say right here in Charlotte, but I think that's changed <laughs> a little bit. Um, but uh, why don't you give just a little bit of a background? I know it's not a short one, maybe the cliff yeah, notes. Uh, and that's not a cliff notes, absolutely. That's, that's not a hit on your age. I <laughs> no, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, it just turned 65. So, yeah, we won't, we won't spend too much time on that. I uh, started out in casinos at uh, the age of 21 uh, and then worked my way through entry level, dealing uh, roulette, then blackjack, and then craps. Moved to the Bahamas, spent seven years there, which is where you could actually earn a decent living as a as a croupier, as we used to call ourselves, and then got recruited to come to the United States in 1991 to open one of the first riverboat casinos. Ended up as the senior vice president, general manager of Ameristar Casinos in um, Missouri, uh, with a quarter of a billion dollars worth of uh, revenue every year and some pretty nice margins, until we were acquired. And then reinvented myself for a short time, uh, bought some beauty salons and Started to grow a chain of those and then changed pivot. Pivot number three was go into consultancy, which is where I met you and, and your father. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history and ended up in Charlotte. Well, there you go. That's great. So I would uh, assume by this time you know you know some people, right? You know people. <laughs> Just a few. Just a few. Yeah. Just a few. Um, but jumping right into it, this book that you wrote, um, Intentional Retention, is a really popular topic right now for you know getting good talent yep. but also retaining good Keep talent them. keeping them yep i mean so two questions what inspired you to write the book i know you've been doing this for a long time yeah and then you know where did the who is it for is it you know so i i really wrote it um it took three years and, and of course you don't you don't realize that when you start it so i started to map out the chapters and what what really started was i realized i had just so many different experiences, whether it was in the casino industry, if it was in the beauty industry, whether it was in 
orthodontics, it didn't really matter. Human beings are human beings are human beings, and everybody, no matter the industry, is suffering from how do we find them, and then to your point, how do you keep them? So the target audience for the book truly is, if you're in any, uh, any stage of your career in a leadership role, you're a brand-new supervisor, you're a brand-new manager, new owner, Whatever the stage is, this is a book that you can use as a reference tool, as a guide, quite frankly, to some of the terrible mistakes that I made, mm-hmm. and then how to avoid those pitfalls and don't make the same mistakes that I did, but at the same time give you some solid um, guidance on what to do in certain situations. So how do you do a review? How do you not do a review? How do you say goodbye to somebody? How do you tell somebody they might have halitosis, you know, which would be the worst thing in the dental world. Right. But sometimes you've got to tell them the, yeah. bad, the bad news. And how do you do that without offending them where they, they don't feel welcome, they don't feel part of your team anymore, and they just leave? Yeah. Um, and I love throughout the book uh, that it is very um, actionable items. I think you did a great job with Thank that. You. Yeah. Uh, for someone who can't remember much when they read the uh, <laughs> tips at tea, we're, we're always good, right? Yeah, so, time for tea. Time for tea. So at the end, you know, just kind of a thought process. But there is a lot of actionable items in there, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that was intentional yes. for people that are writing. You yeah. know, it's not one of those books where you're just going to, you know, you're reading through all these kind of concepts. This is, hey, this is stuff you can Correct. actually do tomorrow. Yeah in whatever business you're step doing. Step by step. How to no. prepare for a review. Don't don't just write a review, push the piece of paper across the table and expect somebody to feel motivated because they've got a piece of paper. Because they don't read a word and they're not listening to a word. They're, it's like a, a coupon book. They go mm-hmm. straight to the end and look to see how much their raise is or what their final score was. Right. And, and that's not how you engage a team member. It's what I call their team member. Um, it's the equivalent of their birthday. It's their work, right. their work birthday. So celebrate that day. Make it all about them. So yeah, there's actionable items. These are the the to dos, the must dos when you're doing a review or or any one of the the basic steps of uh, leading people. And uh, Sean's probably sick of this story, but I always <laughs> tell it when it comes to core values. Yes. Because you can look at some of this stuff and you can hear one person talk about it, but if you don't have these actionable items, yeah. so me is a quick start. And that's a Colby reference. Yes. Sean and I are both that. He's, he's actually certified and trainer in that too. Um, but I kind of just took without looking at the actual, all the steps and went back to our office. This is when um, Sean was consulting with us and we made a list of core values. Well, I didn't listen from the very get go. He, he recommended five. We had 10. <laughs> we you know thought they were great, but they were all made by me. There wasn't any kind of interaction on it. And when he came in, not one employee could name even number one on the core value list, and I was devastated. I thought, you know, everyone's going to know all of them. And so I think this book does a really good job, not only core values, but like you're saying, doing reviews and basically walking you, hey, this is how you can do it. This is how you can start it tomorrow. I'm super passionate about core values, Mm -hmm. and we collectively, you and I and uh, the rest of the team, we develop the five core values that we have, steps, you know, service, teamwork, ethics, promises, and standards, and we put those together. And, and the reason I'm passionate about them is if they're well-written, you can find every answer to every, and not 99%, 100% of any challenge you'll ever have in the workplace, the answer is sitting in your core values if they're well-written. So we, we refer to them every day. I'm, I'm very pleased that all of our regional managers, our directors, you know, if they come with a problem, 
I asked them which court value they'd made the decision on, and they can they can answer, which is great. So mm-hmm. It proves they work. Right, right. And I think that helps a lot with. I know you were big also on on leadership training. Yes. And where is that in the in the world of business now? Feel like maybe lacking a little bit. I think it's lacking. I think not only is it lacking, but it's it's gaining importance. People need mm-hmm. to be led. Uh, we just finished a four month boot camp. Uh, for all managers uh, of this organization. And, of course, we're 220 people strong now. So a lot of new managers, and that's that's another cause, if you like, for the book, is we put managers in roles, and they're just simply not ready. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we uh, bless people with titles. They're dental assistants or they're um, front desk tellers in a bank. And we say, you, you look the part. So we'll make you a manager, but we don't train you how to lead people. We don't train train you properly how to manage. So that was the the um, emphasis behind the boot camp was get these uh, really young and aspiring leaders, give them the tools that they need, and the tools that they needed was the boot camp. So uh, and hopefully they'll read the book as well. Right, and I think a lot of those points are in the book. Yes. So for our audience listening, you can go ahead and get those and maybe do your own boot camp. Or, yeah, absolutely. You know, we all could use a little refresher in leadership, yeah. yep. I think. Um, so speaking of now, times always change. We were just talking about change before we started recording here and how it's not a bad thing, right. but you have to be focused on it. Do you think there's been this retention problem? I know they said you know um, the great resignation, yep. COVID kind of changed some stuff. Sure did. Where do you see it now versus maybe five years? Is it changing? Is it, where are, what would you tell leaders now What's the biggest thing in retention? I think that there's a couple of things going on. Number one is that there is a cutthroat determination by competitors in all business to steal good people and pay regardless of what it costs. Mm -hmm. So we're teaching the workforce, demand more money because you'll find it, and they are finding it. That, That has a life on it. So you're already seeing major corporations shrink their workforces and I think that's going to add to the availability of people. Um, uh, and the pay, overpaying people is not sustainable to a healthy business. So where that ends up is pretty predictable. There will be more layoffs because people are paying too much uh, and it will burden the employee of today. And that just leads to anti-retention. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a mess if you're not... <clears throat> excuse me, if you're not focused on retaining people, paying them fairly, but really working to make sure that they feel all the other uh, emotions of feeling valued, feeling appreciated, as uh, you know, one of our acronyms is SOAR. We give everybody support, opportunity, appreciation, and respect. Without those, um, I don't know that anybody's going to really survive. It's not all about the money. Mm-hmm. And if anybody tries to kid you, it is. Team members may leave you for that bright, shiny dollar, but they're not going to stay. Mm-hmm. So I would rather pay a fair wage, retain good people um, with with the support, opportunity, appreciation, and respect. Yeah. That has to come along with it. That's great. And with the experience throughout all these different um, careers that you've had, I assume at some point you might have been a disgruntled Employ yourself. <laughs> yes. So maybe tell how did that mold your your vision with intentional retention and, and being um, the leader that you are? Mm. 
I assume those experiences were super important. And what did you learn yeah. from those? Uh, well, my own personal experience, uh, when, when I finished in my casino career, I did a little bit of consultancy after we were acquired, but pretty much um, the, the company got bought out and anybody with a, uh, a pretty senior title, they figured out uh, they could do without and replace us. So I know that the company that uh, purchased us spent $20 million on um, severance pay, which was quite interesting. But the story that is, is in the book is I was let go while driving to work. Mm. That was a big wake-up call for me because I already felt that I had good morals uh, and uh, a good sense of how you should say goodbye to somebody. You know, you don't break up with anybody with a post-it note on the fridge um, any more than you do uh, anybody a disservice and treat them anything but as a human being when you're saying goodbye. Right. So the, the total lack of respect when I was, was let go, uh, and I have to add, it was being let go with a, a very generous severance package, mm-hmm. you know, something that not many people uh, would hope for or expect. But the the humanity of it was completely missing. That was a big wake-up call for me that I would never... I don't think I would have done anyway, but I would never mm-hmm. do that to anybody. Right. You know, you, yeah. You've got to leave people with a lot of respect. Yeah, so that shows that it's not all about the money. It's, it's you not got, about got money. to treat the person like yeah. a human. Absolutely. So speaking of that, too, <coughs> I know it's uh, in, intentional retention, mm-hmm. is it? But I think a big issue with a lot of teams, and as you know, when you came in, um, Dad and I running the business, our biggest, not our biggest fault, one of our many faults was, Maybe keeping somebody, as we call on the bus, <laughs> yes. that shouldn't be there. And, sure. <clears throat> you know, identifying that is sometimes easy. Mm. But, you know, given those steps to be like, this is something you have to take care of because it's super easy to say, well, it's hard to hire. You know, yes. what are some of the excuses? And talk a little bit about the people that need to get off the bus. Uh, I think <laughs> it's um, it's frequently, it's, it's natural selection sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, people... F- if you build the culture uh, that you really want, which is healthy, that you don't pander or play up to or play to those that just want to complain or are manipulating you. So with Borough Welsh Cult, there were four partners. And one of the things I think I helped you identify pretty early on was if we go to dad and we don't get the answer, then we just go to mom. Yep. And if mom says no, then we'll try another dad until we get the answer that we want. So being aware of that um, helps for, for starters, but again, once you build the culture, you, what you'll often find is that those that truly don't belong realize they don't belong anymore. They take themselves out, and they realize, I don't really belong in this in this culture. And the, the, the benefit that comes along with that is those that have been quiet in the background, looking at you, wondering why you're allowing that type of behavior, suddenly become your leaders, and they react really, really well. So, you know, in the last year, we probably promoted about 20 people internally, uh, and they're enjoying, in some cases, like um, our assistant regional manager for orthodontics, two promotions, and, and are just rising to become a superstar. Um, you know, when you have that negativity or you don't have those strong people and you don't have that culture, then the, the, the bad... Um, bad seeds do survive and that they thrive very very well and the good ones just sit back and, and don't stay yeah it's happy 
seems to me that sometimes those seeds could be great leaders because they have a could. huge gravitational yes. pull because they're pulling everybody in, but they just use that skill in a way that yeah. maybe And you can be turn molded. some of them around because you have to just yeah. be really honest, very candid, yeah. and say, you know, I think you're going down the wrong path. This isn't the culture. This is not yesterday's company. We are going in a different direction. We want you on board. Do you want to be on board? And this is where this could take you if you want to join us. And some will, you know, look at you cross-eyed and say, no, mm-hmm. you've got it all wrong. And, and, and they're entitled to that opinion, of course. But others uh, do turn the corner and become some of your absolute best. You know, I could think of one immediately that we, we thought of may not really, uh, should have a seat on the bus mm-hmm. and is now one of our up-and-coming managers. So... People do turn themselves around, but they need to see what the culture is, sense what it's like, and we all, as leaders, need to be walking in the same direction, and that's what we do now. Right. And that's where that leadership comes in, that you know, that candor of saying, this is Absolutely. how you get to the next step, yeah. if they don't want to take it. That's, that's their choice. Um, so we'll start wrapping it up, but when you were writing this, what was your intentional takeaways? If somebody was going to take this book right now and yeah. read it, what are just like a few things you'd want them to to take away and what do you think is going to be most impactful? Is it the stuff that they can implement right away? Is it more theoretical or a mixture of both? I I think it goes back to the action items. Don't do these things, do these things. Mm -hmm. And then when you come to uh, how to write core values, you know, these are the steps you should take and these are the things you should think about. So, um, again, it is a guide. I want people to pick it up, read it, and enjoy it. It is, you know, Part story because mm-hmm. it's it's the story of the last forty years of my career, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, it's got a good foundation of what to do, what not to do, and and it, again, go back to your core values. That if there was one core piece of the book, it is the core values. Mm-hmm. Everything, go by those. If you're trying to figure out, you know, whether to do a Christmas party, whether to pay a bonus, whether not to pay a bonus, whether to promote, whether not to promote. If you write good core values, the answer's there every single time. So that's what I would want people to do. Right. Well, take advantage of 40 years of experience <laughs> and a lot of different human interactions. Um, with Sean Barnard's Intentional Retention, you can find it a lot of different places. Is, uh, is there a place we can find more information about you or find the book? Yeah, Amazon no. has uh, a pretty good bio mm-hmm. uh, along with the description of the book. Uh, and I think there's an, even an opportunity you can see inside the book a couple of pages uh alternatively uh you can reach out at admin uh at sean hyphen barnard.com for more information uh speaking engagements or anything along those lines that we're, we're talking about doing so uh yeah uh, amazon.com it's um available now well i couldn't recommend it more it is very very valuable and um sean thanks for coming on to the smiles ahead podcast community um things that make us smile in the community and you certainly do. So we appreciate you. Thank you. And see y'all next time. Thanks for listening to the Smiles Ahead podcast powered by Burrow, Welchel, and Colt Orthodontics. Be sure to leave a rating, hit that subscribe button. And if you have more questions, you can reach out to me directly at sam at bwcortho.com. That's sam at bwcortho.com. You can also visit our website, bwcortho.com and we will be happy to answer any questions you might have.